Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Well, good morning. Hey, I'm going to pray again in just a moment. We are coming down the home stretch. We have, uh, this is our final sermon in the uh, All In, our All In to Abide series through uh, John 15. Uh, although our, the, the vision uh, of, of being All In to Abide is going to, we're going to continue to talk about this and keep it before our local church. Uh, really through through the end of, of the year and continue to unpack that and continue to try to wrap our our hearts and our, our lives around that. And so uh, I, I want to, uh, uh, let me pray and then we're going to dive into our text this morning. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your word. Um, God, I just uh, echo what has already been prayed and what we've already been singing. Uh, Jesus, we need you to increase. Uh, we need to decrease. We need to get out of your way. So, Spirit of God, I pray as you've already as you've already moved in power through uh, our time of worship this morning that you uh, would move as we open up the Word. And God, we know uh, that that you're present. You're here, uh, and and we we just we want to anticipate and have an expectation that uh, you're going to move in power. And so, God, open up our hearts. Um, open up our minds, open up our, our ears to, to just hear uh, and to respond to the word. And so uh, God be glorified in this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles, hopefully you're there. John, John chapter 15 is as we uh, this morning cover 9 through 13. And we're going to dive into the text in just uh, in just a moment. But church, uh, church family, there there are there are certain things that they, they just, uh, they, that by design, they go together. Uh, we've got some pictures uh, up here for illustration's sake. Uh, things like cold weather and, and hot chocolate, okay? Uh, although the marshmallow ratio here, I think, is a little, a little off. Uh, things that go together like, like Aggies and whooping <laughs> on cue. Okay, uh, things like uh, weight weightlifting and over exaggerating. Okay, uh, we we got that one. Uh, like like Christmas and Die Hard. See what I did there? See, let that let that be a lesson. Uh, and, or or my personal favorite uh, things that go together like like Matt Ulrich and White Francis Chan jokes. Okay, um, and so uh, there are. There are certain things uh, that just that just go together, and, and you you can't you can't have one without the other. Church family, uh, you cannot say that you abide in Christ if you do not abide in Christ's people. Can't happen. Can't happen. And, and so this morning we close out our, our series in, in John 15, 
and this call to be all in to abide. And again, that, that Greek word uh, for abide is, is the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O. And it just means to remain, to stay, or, or, or to reside. And so here's the challenge this morning. Uh, I, I want to address the follower of Jesus. Christian, I, I, I want to address you uh, and, and just say this. I, I need you to look into the mirror of God's word this morning. Look into the mirror of God's word. This message isn't for the other person. It's not for people out there, right? It's, it's not for others. Christian, this message is for you. What will you do with this call to abide in Christ's people? And I want to jump in this morning and, and, and look at our first point. Uh, but first, I want to reread verse 9. It says this. As the Father has loved me, this is Jesus talking, so I have loved you, abide in my love. First point this morning, if you're following along in the bulletin or on the screen, is this, uh, Christ started the community party, amen? Christ started the community party. I want you to look at your, your neighbor and just, and just say this, just say community party, <laughs> That was, that was really wimpy. Look at, look at your other neighbor and with some conviction, say community party. There you go. Church family, we talked about this. We talked about this when we walked through Acts 17, 22 through 34, and we looked at Paul's interaction with the Athenians and their, their, their multiplicity of, of idols and, and gods in the city. And we talked about how when people, when people are on a spiritual journey, and, 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 but, maybe, but maybe still outside the Christian faith, they're asking questions. They're asking certain questions like if, if, there, if there is a, a God, what is he like? Uh, what, what is his character? And, and can, can I know him? Like, can I, can I know this God? And, and so the beauty of the biblical picture of God is that he is a relational God, a relational God who creates who, who pursues and who loves. And, and we talked about this as we look at our own design and hardwiring. What we, what we begin to realize is that it makes a lot of sense if, if we are created in the image of God, that these things would be on display in our lives, albeit imperfectly. And so we are, we are designed to create. We are, we are designed and hardwired for relationship. We're, we're designed uh, to personally know and to be known. We are designed to, to love and to be loved as people, as image bearers of God. And we, we talked about this uh, a couple months ago in Acts 17. David Peterson said this, if we are personal beings, if we are personal beings able to relate to one another with love and trust, our God, our creator, cannot be anything less. God, our creator, cannot be anything less. How, David Peterson said this, how can the impersonal give birth to the personal? And so church family, verse 9 points to the character of God. But here's the deal. It also points 
to the, this biblical concept of the Trinity. And again, I, I know that we don't see the Holy Spirit in verse 9, but throughout the Gospel of John, there are multiple references to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, but, but verse 9 is ultimately pointing to this, this triune God, one God, three in one, existing in, in perfect self-giving relationship with one another. You say, well, okay, what, what, is, what does that mean? How, how does that tie in? And it just means this. Uh, church, Christ exists in community within the Trinity. Christ exists in community within the Trinity. So, so later, Jesus, Jesus would tell his disciples in John 17, 24, that the Father loved him from before the foundation of the world. Before that, in John 10, 17, he said the father loved him, the son, because he laid down his life for others. And so here, here's the here's a simple point I want to make. Christ, Christ is not calling you to something that is foreign to himself. Right. Christ, Jesus is not calling you to something that's foreign to himself. He's calling you into his very identity. Like Jesus got the community party started. Uh, let, let's just let's just keep it real. Let's keep it 100 this morning. Uh, biblical community is hard. Amen. Can we? That's weak. Amen. Amen. Like like this is hard. Doing life with other Christians, like it is hard. But here's what I want to say. It is the plan of God because it is embedded in the person of God. Amen. Second thing this morning as we look at verse 10. Jesus said this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Second thing this morning is this. Christ's commands are not negotiable. Christ's commands are not negotiable. I want you to look at your neighbor, tell him Christ commands. <laughs> look at your other neighbor, tell him Christ commands. So, so history will tell us, history will tell us that, that Thomas Jefferson uh, literally would, would rip out the parts of the Bible that, that he, he didn't agree with. Uh, Jefferson was a was a naturalist who did, didn't believe in the miracles, didn't believe in the in the supernatural of Scripture, uh, which which obviously is going to lead to a whole lot of, of Scripture uh, editing on uh, led to a lot of editing on his part. Church, what's what's crazy is I, I think that we would all agree that like you like you can't like you shouldn't do that. Right. Uh, like. Oh, Ted's, Ted's ripping up his Bible again. <laughs> oh, Tina just ripped Galatians right out. Last week it was Romans. <laughs> uh, but I'll say this. Today's version of editing is really much the same, maybe minus the physically tearing out Bible pages. How often do professing Christians just quietly disagree with the Bible? Right? The same Bible that says Christ died on a Roman cross for your sin and was raised and is your righteousness. Like you believe that on one page. Like just think about the hypocrisy of this. You believe that on one page and then you, you turn the page and you're like, yeah, but not this. Right? So we just quietly disagree with the Bible on areas of sexuality and morality and priorities. And at times the outright commands of Christ. 
And even when we don't outwardly disagree, if we inwardly rebel, do not our lives uh, give, bear the evidence? And I said this several weeks back, but in those moments where we're operating like the words of Jesus are the holy suggestions and not holy scripture. So see, verse 10 in the Greek, that, that word for keep is the word tereo, and it means to keep or to observe. But, but check this out, church fam, the sense is to conform one's actions or, or practice to something. And so church family, verse 10 is, is connected. If you look at the text, it's connected to verse 9. This is the follow-up to prove it, right? This is, this is the follow-up to prove it from uh, last week, uh, the, the last point in the message. But, but here's the warning that we talked about last week. When you, when you see fruit in the Gospels, this idea of, of bearing fruit, whether it's in Matthew, whether it's in the Gospel of John here in John 15, and, and you talk about this idea of proving your fruit, what is our automatic default? What do we say? Oh, that's human works, right? That, that we automatically say, yeah, that, that's clearly human works. The problem with saying, well, it's just human works is that if you're not careful, Go back in the Gospels, who had all the works? The Pharisees had all the works. And if you're not careful, you make them the heroes of the story. Church, what I want to tell you this morning is that it's more than works alone. It is the character of Christ and the confession of Christ through our works. Amen? I'm going to say that again because the church is missing this. It is the character of Christ in us. It is the confession of Christ through us and through our works. That, that's the fruit. Like you, you can't fake the character of Christ. You just can't do it. You, because that comes, listen, that comes from within. That comes from a, a place of heart transformation from believing the gospel. You also, just like you can't fake the character of Christ, you can't take the glory of Christ. If your works never point to his righteousness, if they never point to his work at the cross, that's not biblical fruit. That, that's the fruit of humanistic effort and self-righteousness. So when Jesus speaks of keeping his commandments, it's, it's not just about outward adherence to the law. It's not just about the Ten Commandments. It is about the heart of the law. It is about the great commandment of loving God and loving others as yourself, loving your neighbor. It comes down again to the biblical agape, self-giving, sacrificial love of God in Jesus. That's why twice in verse 10, Jesus refers to this uh, uh, abiding in love. Gerald Borchardt says this. He tells us that it's in 1 John 3 that the apostle reveals that Hating one's brother is a surefire indication of not loving God. Because love, Orchard said, is a sign of knowing God. 1 John 4, 7. He goes on, he says, bearing fruit, therefore, means loving others as, ready, as God loves them and giving witness to the world. And so we, we're back. We're back to, hey, it's your fruit. It's got to be include 
the character of Christ and the confession of Christ through your works. See, Christ's commands are non-negotiable because they, they keep us tethered not only to the standard of Christ's righteousness, but also to, to his, his kingdom. And see, this is, church fam, this is the beauty, right? This is the beauty of every local church. Think about it. You, you, you look around, and just like Acts, we have, we have different backgrounds, we have, we have different ethnicities. We have different experiences, different politics. We have, we have different interests and activities. And so the world looks in on the church and is like, how does, this, how does that work, right? How in the world does that work? How do, these, how do these people do life together? How do we explain the community of Christ's people? And it's, it's real simple. The glue is the gospel. Amen? The glue is the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ crucified for our sin and raised His righteousness in our place before the Father. See, through the gospel, Jesus becomes both our individual and our collective righteousness. And so our, our community bond, our communal bond is the perfect person and work of Jesus the Savior who, who bled and died for, for all of us who, who call and, on Jesus and profess His name. Uh, the Savior who moved toward us even, even when we didn't deserve it. He redeemed us. He set us free. And He has called us out. And He's calling us to confess His name before people. And so we, listen, as a, as a church, as a local church, we point to salvation in Jesus. Amen? We point to salvation in Him. We point to His coming kingdom. And listen, we, we deeply, deeply love one another because we have collectively experienced the love of God through a Savior who has changed our hearts and our minds. Amen? Third thing this morning is this, as we look at verse 11. This gets good. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you that my joy, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Third point this morning is this, Christ's joy can be yours. Christ's joy can be yours. I want you to look at your neighbor, tell him Christ's joy. Look at your other neighbor, tell him Christ's joy. You, you ever, church, you ever have that one friend you ever had that one friend or that, 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 maybe that person who, whether they realize it or not, is just like a total joy thief? <clears throat> Don't, do not point fingers right now. Like, like you, you say something like, man, the weather, the weather is, is awesome today. And they say, yeah, it's, it's about time. Because last week, last week it was, it was, it was miserable. <laughs> okay. Or, or, or you say, or you say, uh, man, wor worship, worship was incredible today, wasn't it? And then they're like, you know, it was okay, but um, I had to park at Chicken Express in downtown Bryan to get to restoration. Uh, or, or you might say something like, the, uh, man, the, the Rockets had a big, uh, they had a big win last night, and, and they say, they say, yeah, but they're still dead last in the Western Conference, and they're terrible. And those are fighting words. 
church, of all people, like, we should strive for joy. Amen? Like, of all people, like, we, we should showcase God's joy to the world. And verse 11, verse 11 is one of those verses that you just kind of read, and it's so easy. So easy to just gloss right over. But verse 11, listen, it should jump off the page at you when you realize that Jesus, listen, is hours away. Hours away from being betrayed by Judas and handed over to the authorities and mocked and beaten and tortured and crucified for the sin of the world. Church family, what's more is that Jesus, and he knew it was coming. It's not like this was a shock or a surprise. So he's, how, how can this same Jesus talk about his joy? How can this same Jesus talk about his joy? Church family, again, verse 11 flows from verse 10, just like 10 does from verse 9, and it connects obedience to joy. You realize obedient joy flows from obedience. Joy flows from obedience. Think about it, and I'm going to ask, dial in here. Dial in here and understand the connection. Think about it. Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus was perfectly obedient to the Father, which meant he, he constantly maintained this perfect fellowship at all times with the Father. Remember, remember what happened in the garden. You go back to the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. And I think a lot of it, we focus on the shame. And yes, there was shame, but there was also separation. <clears throat> there was also immediate separation. See, because the focus of Adam and Eve shifted to their circumstances. And they lost sight of the character of their God. And they, because they had believed the lie and they had taken their eyes off of God. But then you fast forward and Jesus comes along, whom Paul calls the second Adam. And you get to Romans 5.19 and Paul says, For as by one man, the first Adam, one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, talking about the second Adam, Jesus, by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So check this out. Church, Christ alone knows the experience of being in perfect and right relationship with the Father. So Christ alone knows the, the experience of perfect joy because his affections his devotion, his thinking, his actions never, never shifted away from the perfect love of the Father to his circumstances. Tony Evans says this. Evans, Dr. Evans says joy is, is internal stability in spite of, of external circumstances because of the knowledge that God is in control. <clears throat> Let me say that again. Joy is internal stability in spite of external circumstances because of the knowledge that God is in control. Dr. Evans goes on, he says, it is a settled assurance and a quiet confidence in God's sovereignty that results in the decision to praise him. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. 
And see, this is where this is where it gets real, right? Let, let's talk some application. This is where it gets real. <clears throat> Too many Christians are walking around today and their <clears throat> their experience is this joyless. It's just this joyless existence. And we we operate like that's normal. Right. We like we, we operate like that's no, a, a normal thing. And, and I get it. Right. We we look around and we say, yeah, but man, look, look at look at that injustice. Right. Look at those people hurting or or look at what COVID has done or look at what this group or that group is doing or look at what look at what I've had to walk through. And we forget that Jesus that day was walking to the cross. He was walking to the cross for us. Church, we've got to come back to believing that God has called us to abundant life and not this abysmal one. I love I love how Matt Carter puts it. He says, you can't know Jesus and lack joy. You can't know Jesus and lack joy. And he goes on, he qualifies that. He says, it doesn't mean every day is easy and filled with laughter, but it does mean that your life is ultimately marked by a confidence that Jesus is greater and more satisfying than anything this world has to offer. Amen? So Christian, if things don't go your way, if your health breaks down, if, if your finances fail, if, if relationships are hard right now, if life is hard right now, heck, if, if tomorrow the, the whole world falls apart, right? If, if Russia invades Ukraine and World War III ensues, I want to tell you, like, the blood of Jesus still holds. Amen? Like, the blood of Jesus still holds. Christian, your sins are still forgiven. Your hope, Christian, is still in heaven and in the resurrection and in the kingdom to come. And the character of God and His steadfast love never fails. Amen? Never fails. And, and, and I understand that we walk through hard things. We walk through hard things. We, I understand that like mental health struggles and, and depression and, and trials and, 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 and all anxiety and fear, like all of it. And, and I would never, I would never uh, downplay that or, or demean anybody who, who's walking through that, even in the church. I would just remind Jesus' people that we are promised Jesus' joy. Jesus' people are promised Jesus' joy and not, not just a limited supply either. Right? He, what does the text say? He says that your joy may be full, that it may be full. In, in, in the Greek, it's this word plero, and, it, and it's the sense is to be or to contain as much or as many as is possible. Church, that is, that is a picture of overflow. That is a picture of the overflow of Jesus' resurrection life in us. One commentator said this. He said, this is about Christians getting to the place where they view their own pain in light of the divine perspective. He goes on. He says, such a perspective. Here's what it won't produce. It will not produce a superficial 
fairy tale like happily ever after attitude. No, that's not what it's talking about. But a deep sense of well-being and joy that our lives are united to the vine. Amen. They're united to Jesus and thus not only his self-giving sacrificial death, but also to the power of his resurrection. Amen. So church, do you believe, do you really believe that Jesus' joy can be yours? If you believe Jesus' joy can be yours, say amen. amen. Fourth thing this morning, and we're, we'll, we'll, we'll be done after this. As we look at verse 12 and 13, it says this. Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And 13, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. Fourth point today is this. Christ's community needs you all in. Christ's community needs you all in. I want you to look at your neighbor one more time. Tell him all in. All in. <laughs> Look at, you, look at your other neighbor. Tell them all in. So I read this week. I read this week that where there are, I think, 59, nearly 60 statements, uh, one another statements uh, in the New Testament alone. Nearly, nearly 60 uh, commands to take action and move toward and serve someone who is not you, right? Uh, after... after 20 uh, years in ministry, uh, I, I've heard it so many times uh, where you have these conversations with folks and they're like, man, it's just, it's just me and Jesus, right? It's just me and Jesus. I don't, I don't you know, they, they say, I don't need organized religion. Uh, they say the church is just filled with hypocrites and sinners. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm so glad that you have reached the place of sinless perfection, right? <laughs> so glad that you have mastered your sanctified seclusion. But here's the reality. There, church, there are no Lone Ranger Christians. Amen? Amen. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. Biblically, there are only Christians who are called to live in genuine, accountable Christian community. And we are all super awesome and super patient, and super kind, and super gracious, and super loving until we actually, we have to hang out with actual people. Amen? Like, right? <laughs> I was great until the people showed up. See, community is the place uh, where, where, where the rubber meets the road, and, and, and this is where we put the agape love of God in the practice and on display for the world to see. See, verse 12, look at verse 12. It, it, it simply reiterates the great commandment and reminds us that the ultimate charge is to love others as Christ loved us. And what's cool about verse 12 is that the love of the disciples in, in the Greek is is in the present continuing sense, but, but the love of Jesus is in the heiress, it's in the past tense, meaning for us, it's an ongoing work. Amen? <laughs> like, can we just agree it's an ongoing work to love one another? Yes. Yeah, yes. Um, but for Jesus, but for Christ, the work is finished. It's done. And, and, and verse 13 is actually an allusion to the, the death of Christ. But Jesus... 
Check this out. Jesus didn't just lay down his life for his friends. Romans 5, he laid down. It's Romans 5, 6 through 8. Jesus laid down his life for his enemies. He laid down his life for those who weren't seeking him. He, he, laid, he laid down his life for, the, for an enemy. And so in, in, in the Greek, that, that, that word for lay down is, is the word tithemi. And, and the sense of the word means to, to, uh, to give up, <clears throat> to lay aside a right or a possession. Church, this is the picture of Philippians 2, 1 through 7, right? This is what Paul was talking about when he referenced Jesus. It's a picture of Philippians 2, 1 through 7. And here, herein lies our problem. Right? Herein lies our problem. Too many Christians in the American church have this expectation that they, they want Christ's people to pour into them. Right? They want to roll up in the church and they want people to pour into them. And they, they want others, they expect others to give their life for them. But they're not willing, they're not willing to give their lives for Christ's people. And you look at Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, and the author of Hebrews said this. He said, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day draw near. Church, I, I've said it before, like when we gather, there, there's just a grace. There's a grace of presence. Amen. There, there's, a, there's a grace in meeting together in face-to-face, flesh and blood, interaction. And, and, and here's the application, right? Ready? Like it, like it or not, Christian, your growth is connected to Christ's people. Christian, your growth is connected to Christ's people. And not, not just a generic universal church that you get to do life with on your own terms, but the local church who, who you come up under and who you commit your life to. And so often you're, you're hitting these walls of spiritual growth and you, you fail to connect the dots that the holding pattern of spiritual growth that you're in is, is, is going to continue until you go all in on the local fellowship to which God has called you. And you can't, and you can't demand everything from the church while giving your leftovers. Let me say that again. You, you can't demand everything from the church while giving your leftovers. You can't expect to get life from Christ's people when you're not ready to give your life for Christ's people. And in fact, I, I, I will say this. If you demand and you require what you refuse to give, the community feels the weight of your impossible expectations. They feel it. And you'll never be satisfied because you've, you've made biblical community about you and it's about Jesus. And if you were following Jesus, you would follow his lead and you would give and you would lay down your life for others. Kent Hughes said this, he said, sacrifice is essential to genuine friendship and love. Friendship thrives on sacrifice he said, we must constantly cultivate a sacrificial spirit, we must constantly work at being givers. See, Satan, church, Satan loves to not only keep us kind of immersed in our selfishness, 
but also he, he loves to keep us in these, these uh, strongholds, these cycles of isolation and, and loneliness. But here's the good news, Christian. As you, as you respond to the gospel, if you're all in to abide in Christ, you're always one decision away. Right, You are one decision away from experiencing the, the, the grace and, and, and the glory, the joy, and the freedom of biblical community. Amen? And you just got to decide if, if, you wanna be, if you wanna be all in, or, or, or do you turn inward and, and, and stay isolated because you don't really believe that God's grace can be experienced among God's people. Take the leap. Right? God, God, God made you, Christian, God, God made you for community, and his community needs you all in. I'll close with this, and then we're done this morning. I'll close with this. Uh, you, you cannot say, again, you cannot say that you abide in Christ if you're not willing to abide in his, his, his people. Our small groups have, have launched. They're going strong all over Bryan College Station. And, and we met with our group Tuesday night. And one of the things that I told them, and, and, and I meant it, even as Steph and I have been doing uh, life and missional community for uh, years and years and, and eight, eight and a half years now in Bryan, I told our group on Tuesday night, I said, uh, our MCG, our missional community is a, is a source of great life for us, right? Like we, it's something that we look forward to. It's something that, that fills us up every week. Anybody else feel that way about their small group of people? Listen, like that's, that's how we feel. And I, and I think the question that you've got to ask is this. If I don't see Christ's people as, as a source of life, have I really given my life to them? Have I really given my life to them? Is my lack of being all in really, really just manifesting the lack of agape love that I have for the bride of Christ, his church? We don't want to admit it, but our, our fellowship and, and our, our accountability problem is, is a gospel problem. Why? Because Christ in the fullness of his joy, the joy that was, that was set before him, and in the faithfulness of his love, he put his head down and he went in all in. He went all in at the cross for us. And he laid down his life. And you say, oh, oh, I, I, I love, I love Jesus. You say, oh, I, I, I abide, I abide in Christ. Awesome. Abide. Abide in his people. Y'all pray with me this morning.